and welcome to another installment of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. I am, as always, your humble host and correspondent. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined by my lovely and extraordinarily talented producer slash my wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We are the team here at Sprawl Enterprises, ready to bring you yet another exciting foray into the vast, expansive terrain that we have lovingly dubbed the Sprawl. On today's show, an examination of newspapers. That's right, we kind of travel back in time, at least a little bit, to better understand the history of Southern California's many acclaimed newspapers. Now, this is one of those episodes that almost feels like something of a historic relic while we're actually recording it. The ever-changing nature of the newspaper business may, at some point in the not-too-distant future, cease to exist entirely. Those of you that have seen Citizen Kane recognize the power once held by media barons like William Randolph Hearst. Or if you listened to a recent episode of this podcast touching upon activities within the Coachella Valley, you might remember a little fella by the name of Walter Annenberg, who once presided over the Philadelphia Inquirer. Elon Musk, now the owner of Twitter... Mark Zuckerberg at Meta Facebook, Larry Page, and Sergey Brin of Google. These are the figures that have replaced the hearse of the world. And as of this recording, the current state of the media is in major flux. Outlets emerge almost overnight and then seemingly vanish without a trace. The Daily Beast, Huffington Post... NPR, Axios, who knows if these companies will even be around in 15 years. Indeed, who knows what the media landscape will look like. However you decide to evaluate the future, there's no denying the importance of newspapers in at least the first 140 years of Californian life. So today, we hearken back to a time when the newspaper reigned supreme. We look at the definitive 10 Southern California newspapers that you should be familiar with. Let's begin. At number 10, the Long Beach Telegram. With a circulation hovering at just under 50,000, this seaside paper has its complex roots situated in the fertile grounds of South Los Angeles County. In addition to covering all of the events that happen in the LBC, the paper's coverage extends to much of the 562, examining stories from many of the gateway cities, these being Bellflower, Lakewood, Artesia, Hawaiian Gardens, Signal Hill, and Norwalk. Now, the paper cut its sports department a number of years ago. You'll notice a trend here as we discuss newspapers. There's a lot of cutting afoot. 
So unfortunately, the sports department had to go so that the paper could continue its work in the Long Beach region. Originally established to consolidate two competing papers, the Long Beach Telegram has been around in its current form since about the 1930s, doing some really terrific work in reporting the cataclysmic earthquake from 1933. And the paper has led the charge in charting Long Beach's ascent into a top 50 American city in terms of population. Not quite Orange County, definitely not Los Angeles. Long Beach is very much its own thing. And if you don't believe me, just read the fine work, still going strong, from the Long Beach Telegram. And number nine, the Press Enterprise. This publication comes to us from the fine folks residing within the Inland Empire, Riverside specifically. The paper's been around for about 100 years Again, this is a title that stems from the consolidation of multiple newspapers that decided to join factions. The paper has a circulation of under 100,000, but with the growing migration toward the Inland Empire, there's going to be a need for a paper to document all of the happenings in the Riverside area. Now, the paper has a Pulitzer Prize to its credit. It does compete with a couple of nearby publications representing portions of the much larger Inland Empire. But Riverside's Press Enterprise has catered to multiple generations of Inland Empire residents. And though the medium has changed drastically, and will continue to change even more in the coming years, there can be no doubt that the paper will survive in some form to better outfit Riverside residents with all of the necessary news and tidbits from around the area. And number eight, the Santa Barbara News Press. The paper's been around for just under 100 years or so, with the circulation of under 40,000. What the paper lacks in overall numbers, it more than makes up for in its quality news coverage. When oil slippage occurs in Santa Barbara County, this paper is there to provide Santa Barbara County residents with all of the requisite news that they need to be aware of in order to be fully cognizant coastal residents. Covering stories from all over the county, there's been a real focus on the emerging viticultural destination that's cropped up in the past 15 years in the Santa Ynez Valley. When the movie Sideways came out, it really put the wine from Santa Ynez on the map And this falls within the creative coverage of the Santa Barbara News Enterprise. Many prominent residents have called the Santa Barbara area home. 
the ridiculously over-the-top mansions in Montecito can attest to the fact that wealthy folks like to live in Santa Barbara just far enough away from Los Angeles to avoid the proverbial smog, but close enough if business calls at least a couple of times a week. When a mass shooting took place at UCSB in 2014, the paper was there providing on-the-ground coverage that the nation also consumed. When a recent swim instructor ran afoul of the law, the paper was there chronicling events so that the rest of the world could follow along. Santa Barbara is an indispensable part of the sprawl, and as such, it should come as no surprise that it contains a world-class newspaper all its own. Number seven, the Desert Sun. The paper's based in Palm Springs, but covers the entirety of the Coachella Valley. And this once resort community has now become an extraordinarily popular place for those priced out of Los Angeles real estate to relocate. As we discussed on our Coachella Valley episode, no longer is this region merely a playground for the rich and successful. Indeed, hundreds of thousands of people live within the Coachella Valley and of course, there's a need for a local newspaper when you've got that kind of population in the fold. With increasing attention paid to the region because of Stagecoach and the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival, the Desert Sun has a front row seat as it covers two of the ten most popular music festivals in the United States. Also, with continued attention paid to the global climate crisis, the California desert has an important role to play in promoting awareness around the subject of global warming. And number seven, never sleep on the desert. They've got some great reporting going on at the Desert Sun. At number six, the San Bernardino Sun. Notable for its coverage of the mass shooting in 2015, the San Bernardino Sun serves as a platform for residents of one of the nation's largest counties to have a suitable outlet. Outsiders to the Southern California sprawl may see the whole San Bernardino, Riverside, Imperial County, Mojave Desert thing as just like one large mass of desert. But as we've attempted to illustrate on this here podcast, each of these regions has a character that is distinctly all its own. In San Bernardino, the sun carries the day, highlighting local civic achievements while simultaneously holding those in power accountable. With a circulation of under 100,000, gone are the days when newsstands appeared on every other block in a downtown setting. Now, the majority of the action has entered the digital space. So even though many San Bernardino Sun readers aren't literally opening up a newspaper 
and perusing the publication page by page, the ease and accessibility of online content offers a wider array of interested parties access to the day's top stories. Taking pride for the 909 and documenting all of the remarkable events that happen on a weekly basis, it's the San Bernardino Sun. And number five, the Fresno Bee. The paper covers everything going on in Fresno County. And this, by default, places a great deal of importance on the paper. It covers the agricultural side of California the best that any paper of its size can possibly attempt to do. For folks unaware, California's Central Valley is where a large portion of the nation's agricultural work is done. Basically, all of the nation's raisins come from Fresno County, the almonds, many of the grains, and certainly those Fresno chilies that Top Chef contestants love so much, they are all part of this vast agricultural region. But it's not solely comprised of agricultural-related endeavors. Fresno has become a thriving metropolis that, on population alone, finds itself in the nation's top 50 American cities. Fresno State has emerged as a real jewel in the California state school system. If you consider the Southern California sprawl as having a couple of different capitals, San Diego being the capital of the extreme south, Los Angeles being another, Riverside and San Bernardino, two others, well, you would have to go ahead and say that Fresno is without question the capital of the Central Valley that we have chosen to cover on this podcast. And with the title of the Central Valley's capital comes the responsibility of covering everything that happens within that particular region. Fresno B, owned by the same family that helped to start the Sacramento B, and this is obviously where the title for the paper came from. What happens in the Central Valley, the goings-on with All of the stuff that we export and cultivate in this part of the state, it's vital to have a paper of some renown covering all of the events that transpire in the 559. And number four, the Bakersfield Californian. This is one of the Sprawl's oldest newspapers, tracing its roots back to the 19th century. When life was primitive, laws were negligible, and the spirit of exploration still ruled the day. The Bakersfield Californian has led the charge on such stories as the child sexual abuse scandal in the 1980s, as well as the horrific crimes of Vincent Brothers, And it's had a hand in promoting that iconic Bakersfield country music sound. The circulation of the Bakersfield Californian hovers around 30,000, but it's a rabid 30,000 
interested in all of the happenings and goings-on within Kern County. In addition to monitoring the city of Bakersfield, the Bakersfield Californian also covers news from surrounding cities within Kern County, like Delano, McFarlane, Tehachapi, and Oildale. And whether it's country music or highlighting the large number of Basque restaurants within Bakersfield, you can count on the Bakersfield Californian to have all angles covered as the paper staff does their best to catalog the life and times of Kern County's most distinguished city. Number three, the Orange County Register, my hometown paper. This one has a circulation of around 100,000. It, of course, covers events from Anaheim, Buena Park, Garden Grove, Fullerton, all the way down to San Clemente, Mission Viejo, and, of course, Irvine. Since I grew up reading the Orange County Register, I have a bit of a soft spot for the paper. They publish an insert called The Daily Pilot, which highlighted events happening within coastal Orange County. So every time Corona Del Mar played Laguna Beach in high school football, the Daily Pilot would be there to cover the contest. But the story of the Orange County Register is really the story of this improbable second media market that emerged out of the shadows of Los Angeles. The fact that Disneyland is located in Anaheim and Knott's Berry Farm, Buena Park, made Orange County newsworthy long before the tourists discovered coastal cities like Newport and Laguna Beach. There's a whole lot of money in Orange County, a ton of influence, major corporations are headquartered in the area, and this, of course, necessitates the need for reportage in order to hold these folks accountable. The Register has a Pulitzer, to its credit, a national reputation, and serves as a more conservative option for Southern California residents that have grown disillusioned with the LA Times. Representing for Orange County, notice that I didn't call it the OC. I'll never call it the OC because no one who's actually from there would refer to it in that way. The Orange County Register, holding it down for the 949 and 714. And number two, the San Diego Union Tribune, covering all of the events from one of the nation's 10 largest cities. San Diego County, as a whole, runs from the border with Mexico near San Ysidro and Imperial Beach, all the way north toward communities like Oceanside and Carlsbad. And there's a ton of news to be covered within this gargantuan terrain of space. The paper was acquired along with the Los Angeles Times a couple years back by the same publisher. And the paper has done incredible work, particularly so during the awful fire seasons in the early aughts. People envisioned San Diego as a paradise. 
It's claimed that L. Frank Baum was inspired to create the Emerald City while staying at the Hotel del Coronado. San Diego is home to Top Gun, the Padres, SeaWorld, Legoland, and a whole lot of corruption and malfeasance. In addition to super high-profile crimes like the murder of Dan Broderick, there have been countless financial indiscretions chronicled by the San Diego Union-Tribune over its 10-plus decades of existence. A beacon of truth-telling, a throwback to the days of expert journalism, San Diego's paper of note covers all the important stories stemming from this truly important region. We need someone to cover everything that's happening on the U.S.-Mexico border. And the San Diego Union-Tribune has done, and I'm sure will continue to do, an extremely laudable job in this regard. And at number one, could there really be any other? It has to, of course, be the Los Angeles Times. Covering all of the happenings from America's second largest city, the Times has gained a reputation as one of the country's most thorough and upstanding publications. At the outset of this episode, I mentioned William Randolph Hearst, and he actually had a competing newspaper which used to battle the LA Times for supremacy in the City of Angels. But Hearst's Herald Examiner halted publication in the late 1980s, thereby ending the reign of one of America's most salacious formal newspapers. The Herald Examiner building still very much exists. It's in downtown. It's a couple blocks away from the Staples Center. I used to live in an apartment right around the corner. And just knowing that this massive structure existed and was where much of the tawdry, titillating journalism that came from Los Angeles, just knowing that it happened at this massive building, which is still very much there, well, that kind of tells you all you need to know. The LA Times, conversely, has expanded its scope of expertise in the past couple of decades, honing in on issues that were previously thought to be frivolous, like food. Jonathan Gold earned the nation's first Pulitzer Prize for food writing while working for the Times. He started an annual tradition of ranking the city's best 101 restaurants, a tradition that still goes on, even though he passed away a couple years ago, and has really set the tone for other markets in the state. Orange County Register, now they have their best. Uh, San Francisco has their best. And we can credit Jonathan Gold and his work with the Times for expanding restaurant appreciation. It's also with the LA Times that coverage of scandals like the Rampart scandal in the early 2000s, the bribery schemes in the city of Bell, the pay-for-play with city council members, all of those vital stories 
have been chronicled in depth in the pages of the LA Times. Additionally, the paper also has a first-rate collection of writers that cover the arts. Given that this is, in fact, Tinseltown, critics like Kenneth Turan and others have done remarkable work covering the city's largest homegrown industry. From Jim Murray to Bill Plaschke, the paper's sports column have been second to none As life continues to change, some would say evolve, in Southern California, the Los Angeles Times is, without question, the most trusted paper detailing how it all happened. At number one on our list of the definitive Southern California newspapers, it is, of course, the Los Angeles Times. And that's going to do it for another episode of the show. We'd like to thank everyone for their continued support. Please hop on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to be listening to the show. Leave us a kind review and a five-star rating. Really helps us out a great deal on the business end. We'd like to draw your attention to our phenomenal website, And it's on this website that you can snap up Living in the Sprawl merchandise. If you can think of it and it's Living in the Sprawl related, the website is where you go to get it. Please follow us. Our Instagram handle is Living in the Sprawl Podcast. And we invite you to write us an email. The address is livinginthesprawlpodcast at gmail.com. And we do always appreciate the feedback. So on behalf of myself, I am, as always, your humble host and correspondent. My name is John Steinberg, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely and immensely talented producer slash my wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We are the team here at Sprawl Enterprises, thanking you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to yet another episode of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's Most Adventurous Podcast. Talk again real soon.